Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars and Tear Off Gaskets. You can go to Tear Off Gaskets right now, tearoffgaskets.com right now. Enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15, save 15% off every single one of your orders. You can use that discount code as often as you like, and uh, that would be awesome for us to, to, uh, to get some sales going on that. Help out my good friend Dylan Kalen, who is uh, helping people, like my guest, who uh, is out on the, the West Coast, who might be in, encountering some rainy days in the early, especially early in spring here, uh, as we get back on the motocross bikes. Uh, a system that basically creates a seal all the way around between your lens and the tear-off, not allowing the water to get between the lens and the tear-off uh, system, where uh, it has basically been plaguing motocross racers since the beginning of time. Those guys bring you this podcast. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts, 800, 806, I, if I'm not mistaken, this might be 805. Uh, and actually, I'm used to calling the 805 uh, area code, sometimes the 905 area code. But this time, let's flip it back the other way. We're calling the 509 area code, a little bit further north, but still in the United States of America. Good friend over <clears throat> at Evan Nystrom. Evan, how's it going? Very good, man. Thanks for having me on here. Evan Nystrom, who the heck are you and why are you on the Big MX Radio podcast? <laughs> so uh, I am a strength and conditioning specialist. I have been working within the fitness and health industry for well over six years. I got my degree in exercise science. Um, shoot back in 2015. So ever since then, I've just been working away in the industry, helping people out as much as I can. Of recent, started to really reach out more into the motocross industry and start to help riders within it. I personally have raced motocross since the age of four, so about 24 years now, and love it. It's been a huge passion of mine, lifelong passion. And it was it was a long time coming for me to start working with riders and helping them out and getting them in the best shape that they can be for racing. Absolutely. We've been talking about this since day one, uh, as far as motocross, the, the most physically demanding sport, aside from maybe World Cup soccer. And uh, honestly, I would probably put Moto up against those guys to even be ahead. Um, I don't think that I think it was Jeff Spencer or possibly one of uh, a different trainer at one point that basically broke it down that Supercross and Motocross, you need the strength of a power lifter, you need the poise of a gunfighter, you need to have the explosiveness of a, of a world-class sprinter, and you also have to be in control of all of that. That collection of abilities is something that you probably won't find anywhere else. It's basically uh, like playing the drums while also on a roller coaster, uh, but also the roller coaster is trying to buck you off all the time. I don't know about you, Evan, but the bike's always trying to buck me off, uh, especially like old KTM, 20, 2016 KTMs. It's uh, not a big friend of mine. But um, like, I think that fitness, although, although I don't think it's, uh, it's understated within the motocross industry, but I think training for motocross is something that's a little bit, I think there's some people who probably think that training for motocross is more black magic than suspension. 
Yeah, you know, training for motocross is so unique because it is unlike anything else that has been studied heavily within strength and conditioning. You know, so we get away from the stick and ball sports with motocross because you have something underneath you that weighs 200 plus pounds and it reacts differently in every single section of the track. You know, so the fitness levels that a motocross rider really needs is, as you said, so multidimensional from the endurance to the power to the strength and the control, right? So finite movements of shifting, braking, clutching, throttle, you know, it's, it all occurs in such a flow state that it's almost not thought about. These riders don't think about what they're doing when they're doing it. It's reactive. So how do we train for something that is so unique? And, you know, it's, it's still, as you said, it's a little bit of like black magic. It is what, what's the perfect formula to get these guys in the best conditioning so they can perform at the highest level. And, you know, there's some, some out there that have got that down and they're not releasing their secrets uh, anytime soon. Right. But it's, it's a little trial and error. And I really think that this sport has evolved heavily over the last decade within this realm and will continue to evolve. Absolutely, it will. And and uh, to further sort of uh, qualify you to be speaking upon these uh, this this dark art of fitness, um, you mentioned <laughs> that you went to school for this. This is some. This is a, a university backed uh, education that you've got in it. What what exactly? Um, what exactly is your sort of like the, the, the basis for your well of knowledge, not only the physiology of the body, of how it works, not only the, the anatomy of the human body, of what it is, uh, how that all comes together and, and maybe give the people at home a little bit of a, a peek behind the curtain as to uh, how well you know the human body and, uh, and how to get it to perform at its absolute best. Yeah, absolutely. So... In my undergrad degree, four-year degree um, from Central Washington University, shout out Wildcat. Um, of course. You know, one of the biggest things is, as you said, anatomy and physiology. So knowing landmarks in the body, knowing how a cellular function is in the body, how mitochondria give energy to the body, and really kind of applying it to sport, which that's where like biomechanics come in, which is essentially just the the physics within the body because the body's a big lever system. And so within my degree, there's a lot of emphasis on the biomechanical portion of it, because once you learn anatomy and once you learn physiology about the body, it stays the same and it's universal body to body. Of course, there's going to be certain differences within lever lengths and stuff like that, but the body is the body. So when we start to break down the physics, we start to look at, certain things within a sport that apply specifically. So for example, if we're looking at a volleyball player, which is something we did heavily in undergrad, we looked at force production of that athlete. So to see how you know well they can jump because that's important. And then we would look at rotational um, properties of the arm because that's where they hit from. So having the background within that, of course, motocross is not volleyball. But we take what was learned in that setting and we bring it over to different sports and how the body is going to move and where it's going to be moving from and what's driving that movement all the way from muscular 
um, activation to ATP production being the energy within the cell. And so that was all really, really emphasized in the undergraduate degree. Postgraduate certifications came in. So getting the certifications to be qualified away from just having my degree certification, like the CSCS being the Certified Strength Conditioning Specialist, which is presented as the gold standard, um, one of the only worldwide recognized strength and conditioning certifications. And getting that was such an experience and really helped expand my knowledge even further. You know, it got more specific in the sport because who uses strength and conditioning sport. And then I really had to take my own personal knowledge of motocross and bring it in because there hasn't been textbooks wrote about this yet. Maybe 10 years from now, we'll see some sort of stuff in these textbooks about motocross, but right now we're not seeing that. So I think it's very unique to have to take personal experience of my own with writing and kind of blending it with my education. Putting the pieces together and uh, taking knowledge from one body and then moving it over to the wild world of professional motocross and, uh, like fitness is something, like I said earlier, is not something new to uh, to, to motocross racers, and we talked about this off air. Uh, but a lot of motocross racers, they a lot of their fitness comes from riding the motorcycle. A lot of them uh, probably have never even been inside a gym before, even though uh, you as well as I know, like they're a whole lot faster than your average uh, B rider on one lap. Uh, which you and I are, are that guy. We're average beat riders that uh, like kind of look pro, yep. go slow, bro. And um, it's it's <laughs> this, the way we live our lives. But to be able to go that fast, and like we, we see it all the time with the the fastest laps that are available through uh, through AMA Motocross and AMA Supercross dot com. Um, and you see these guys able to, to throw down a lap time. They're not separated by great distances as far as who's doing what. But the difference is, is that Eli Tomac will run a two-minute flat at one of the local nationals. And his next fastest lap time, or next slowest lap time during that race, is maybe going to be like a 202 to a 205. Whereas there might be a guy out there, like say, let's let's pick out a guy like Alex Ray. He might be able to do a 205, but his his next best lap time might be a 208 or maybe even a 212. And, uh, or, or maybe even just by the end of the 35 minute moto, he's nowhere near a two minute lap time. Like he could probably get somewhere, somewhere close to where Eli was, uh, earlier in the day. But because of the, the, where, where the fitness comes in later on, you don't have that ability to consistently knock, knock off those lap times time after time after time. And that's really what makes the biggest difference at the end of a long motocross race. And that's why our races are damn near 45 minutes. Yeah, you know, and that's a lot of that has to do with body adaptations and fitness adaptations because these guys, if you're at a pro race, all of these guys are so talented on the bike. They've ridden most of their lives and their fitness on the bike mostly comes from riding. And we can't take that away because there's a lot to be said that you got to do your sport to be good at your sport. There's no substitution for it. 
and especially with motocross, there is a lot of fitness that needs to occur on the bike. However, there's so many specific muscles in the body, over 400 different muscles that all need to be in peak condition for the motocross rider to do their best. And, you know, so getting off the bike, getting in a gym or even at home and just having equipment and doing specific motions and exercises that are going to target maybe some of the secondary tertiary muscle groups that aren't as primary for a motocross rider. You know, the quad, quads are a big muscle for motocross riders. They're essentially in a, you know, a squat most of the race. When they're not seated on the bike, they're squatting. So quads are important. Is important. The latimus dorsi muscle of the back is important. And then, of course, we get into arm strength and shoulder strength and how important that is to hold on to the bunk and, buck and brocco, right? So there's a lot to be said about fitness that can occur on the bike itself. But there's a lot to also say about the fitness that needs to occur away from the bike. A hundred percent. And we talked about this before. Uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, fitness is, in a lot of ways, uh, a safety measure. Because if you're if you have the fitness, you're going to be able to make more sound decisions late in races. You're not going to have that brain fatigue, and uh, and you're going to be safer in the latter stages of any ride, whether you're a three lap wonder like me and you're on that fourth lap and you're like, I really shouldn't be out here anymore. Or if you're a guy like Alex Ray, who's trying to go 35 plus two and the two lap board comes out and he doesn't know which way is up or down. That is when, uh, fitness can really make a difference whether or not you're going to be safe to finish, uh, uh, a particular riding session. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's hard to say, you know, how many people crash out due to fatigue, and but accident proneness is going to be up. Absolutely. If you're tired, your arms are shot, you're pumped, right, so you can't even grip the bars for crap, and, you know, you're going over braking bumps the size of Supercross whoops, um, it's, you know, it's inevitable that something is going to occur. You're either going to slow down significantly to where you're not going to be competitive or, you know, something might happen and you might wash out, you know, so that's me. I slow down and getting right. I know. Right. I slow, I started slow. I, I start slower. I finish slower. I, you know what? And it, here's the thing, personal experience of my own being a rider, I do my best to condition myself for my bike. However, I do not ride my bike nearly enough to get the amount of fitness that I need on the bike. So that's a good example of how on-bike training is still super important because I could be in the best shape of my life, which I feel like I have been on multiple occasions. And if I hop on, you know, the local track, which would be Washougal here, go to Washougal and bang out a, you know, six lap moto, I am. Noah McConaughey is going to blow your doors off, off the couch. (laughs) <laughs> exactly he's gonna he's just gonna show up and go what's up dude <laughs> you know and so there's a lot to be said about being on the bike and also talent level because there's a lot of inefficient things that b-level riders like you and i might be doing on the bike that we possibly could be doing better you know using our knees a little bit more using our toes a little bit more um but those guys at the professional level have those fundamentals down 
And so a lot of the fitness is really going to be coming from what they did in their off season, their preseason and how their recovery is doing during the season. Right. So like when it comes to racing professional motocross or even just training to be uh, the next plus 30 B champion, maybe one of the people on this call is, is, is going for that title this year. Uh, what are the benefits from, uh, from strength training? Major benefits across the board, no matter the person, the sport, or not even an athlete, you know, the biggest benefit is going to be, of course, strength of the muscle and the tendons and the ligaments and also the bones in the body. Anytime we exert um, excess forces on the body, we get adaptations that occur. So these stressors are positive stressors. And when they're controlled, they can be very beneficial. Um, and so if the 30 plus B rider is wanting to go for their, you know, regional championship, something that's really important for them to recognize is that their program doesn't need to be on the level of which, you know, an Eli Tomac or Ken Roxon might be rocking. But if they head into the gym two, three times a week, they're going to benefit themselves. They're going to be stronger. They're going to be safer. And possibly if they take a digger, they might be a little more resilient to it because those tendons are stronger, because those ligaments are stronger. Um, and that's really what it's about in the grand scheme of things is, you know, the mass majority of the motocross community in the world isn't going to turn pro. And that's totally cool. I'm a part of that, but I yeah. want to be safe and I, I want to I be competitive. So that's a very important thing. I totally agree. And, and, and I think that it's, it's uh, important to drive home. It's not only just, you know, have like stronger muscles uh, and, and everyone, when you say that they immediately picture themselves looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's a famous quote from Arnold himself. If you're worried about looking like me, don't worry, you won't. Um, and uh, just because, well, mainly because of horse tranquilizers, but um, that all aside, like it's not just muscle that gets stronger. It's the ligaments. It's the, it's the bone density that you accrue through those, uh, those workouts, as well as having stronger tendons and, uh, and, and, and the ligaments. Like me for my shoulders, uh, when I had my left shoulder rebuilt, the trainer that I worked with at the time was more concerned about having uh, muscle around my shoulder, but also having strengthening the ligaments around my labrum to keep that shoulder intact. In so that if I do have a spill, uh, which is inevitable to happen, if, if even if you're you're out there just on a, on a Sunday ride, either somebody uh, takes out your front wheel or or like the front end gets away from you, a la uh, Martin Davalos. And, and, and things can go wrong. You want to be safe when that happens. And uh, I, I think uh, you're totally right. That strength training is definitely a way to get uh, to, to move in the right direction for that. To which I ask you, what equipment is best fit for strength training, specifically for motocross? Because a lot of people walk into the gym and they see a bunch of, they see treadmills and they see free weights and they see machines. Uh, like, and they don't even know where to start. It's a very intimidating experience. Where, what, what direction would you be sending some people in? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, walking into a gym, there's going to be a million and a half different things in there that you're going to just go, what do I do? I'm going to head over to the treadmill because it's familiar. I know how to walk. I can walk, you know? Um, 
I think what's really important for um, strength training within motocross is, is using equipment like kettlebells, dumbbells, and barbells, which is pretty standard across the board for you know most sports that you're trying to gain some sort of performance enhancement from. Okay. Because those tools allow for weight change, so improvement upon weight for one, and also different loading um, positions of the body, whether it's loaded on the shoulders, whether it's loaded on the chest, below the knees, above the knees, so forth, so forth. So having the ability to do different modes of exercises and picking five to six of them, um, different exercises using those three pieces of equipment are really helpful and very popular too. Like for example, kettlebells are awesome. Not only are they highly universal within different exercises, they're also cheap comparatively to the barbell dead or barbell and dumbbells and stuff like that. They're a little bit cheaper. Um, you know, I have riders on the road right now that pack their kettlebells with them. So, okay. What, what does a kettlebell look like? There might them. even be some people listening right yeah. now who don't even know what a kettlebell might look like. If they, they walk into the gym, uh, they've, they've literally, these is day one kind of people. Yeah, absolutely. So a kettlebell is going to be a, a ball like, so it's cast iron and it's casted into a shape where there's a ball on the bottom. There's a handle on top and those handles, it has a flat handle and then it has um, on that handle as well, it curves down kind of like an inverted U shape and that attaches to the ball. So when handling the kettlebell, you'll have usually an extension of weight away from the body. Okay. Uh, it's definitely going to be those, you know, those kind of, if you flip it upside down, you're going to have kind of a, a bull ring look to it. Okay. So, and like, like a lot of people have seen kettlebell swings, obviously, but like either one hand between the legs or both you're, you're coming up through the middle, swinging out, out in front of you, squeezing the glutes. Uh, what, what, what's, uh, what are some exercises that someone could, could possibly do to get themselves started with a kettlebell? Yeah. So the kettlebell swing, as you just mentioned, is a fantastic exercise. There's been a lot of studies done about kettlebell swings, um, comparing them to dead, heavy deadlifts with a barbell, which the heavy deadlift with a barbell is a fantastic exercise, but listen to the word heavy. So if you're not doing that right, it kind of opens the door for potential injury to occur if you're not deadlifting properly. So the kettlebell swing is a kind of moving on a pendulum-like action, as you said, reaching between the legs. You pop up through the hips and usually to high level. And let's call it six o'clock up to about 10 o'clock on a clock. And within that motion, since the bell is moving centripetally, it creates more weight to it. And so they've done studies on force plates on the floor where a kettlebell swing will create more force production over a heavy deadlift. So it's kettlebell swings, hands down. Obviously, it's important to 
reach out to a trainer or coach to instruct and help somebody get to that point of being able to do the exercise. I'm not going to act like it's just a willy nilly exercise. I definitely don't want anyone to go hurt themselves. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's my job. Make sure people don't hurt themselves. Um, right. Or, you know, really investigate before you just start swinging 20, 30 pounds around. It's important to make sure that you're familiar with what you're doing and everything. But hands down, kettlebell swing, amazing exercise. You know, another thing with the kettlebell is you can do things like uh, a goblet squat, which a goblet squat is holding the weight at the chest. That's the name goblet right there. And hitting a squat or sitting down to a bench and standing up. Anyone that's not familiar with how to properly squat, it's really good to use a bench to sit down to because that's something we're pretty good at is sitting down and standing up. So yeah, especially me, late in a moto, a lot of sitting down. Right, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, it's very, very natural motion to sit up and down, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, and, you know, we can really challenge ourselves within doing that. Um, the squat doesn't need to be, you know, ass to grass, as some people would say. That's kind of a squatting you got to do what's comfortable for you and if something hurts don't do it that doesn't sound like the uh the the ways of the old iron gym that i know evan like uh like <laughs> come on man yeah the no pain no gain thing doesn't sit well with me i'll be quite honest um i am a person of longevity i very much coach and train athletes to make sure that they recognize that they have a life after the sport that they're doing so okay. you know i don't want to run somebody into the ground i want somebody to be able to walk normal when they're 55 60 years old so fair enough fair enough i can definitely appreciate <laughs> that uh although yeah like more often than not, like I, I was like going into the gym growing up and stuff like that, even throughout my late, late teens, early twenties, uh, the, the gym was basically a place to, uh, to go test your metal. Uh, but how, how often should someone be training for motocross? That's going to really depend on the time of the year. Um, within specifically strength training, if we're sticking on the strength training portion, you know, the off season when a rider is, you know, let's call the winter the off season because, you know, at least for me in the Pacific Northwest, there's not a ton of riding going on around here um, during the winter season, you know, so it's a good time to lift, you know, two to three times a week and really challenge the body's ability to, you know, lift that weight because right. your time of recovery is going to be heightened up. Now, if, you know, for example, some of my riders that are working within Supercross right now, they're hardly touching a weight because especially with the residency formats that's, that are going on currently where they go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, it's all about recovery. So they might not even touch a weight in between those races. And that's okay. the most appropriate thing that they can do because as we all know, riding a dirt bike is stressful enough on the body. So we don't need to stress it more. Fair enough. Um, no, I, I, I can the, get on board with that. Yeah. And so for like you and I, you know, our good B riders, let's call ourselves. Um, sure. 
You can lie. We can, it's fine. We can, yeah, yeah, right. We can go at it. We can do, you know, two to three times a week all season because I know for myself, I'm not racing every single weekend. So I get to have those extra days of recovery. I'm not having to, and I'm also not going to the test track during the week either. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm riding on the weekends. I've got to get my fitness in any other way that I possibly can and try and basically challenge my body to be better than it currently is through the gym because I'm not able to go to the track on a Wednesday. Yeah, you're you and I were hitting the gym uh Monday through Friday and then uh maybe some like MX reflex during the week as well to like kind of like simulate racing. Is that are you on this on that same program? Uh essentially, yeah, you know, I I personally try and veer away from the video games a little bit, but I do mm. a lot of good, uh, good challenging things outside of exercise still. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Like uh, I, 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 I just means that I, I'd be, uh, uh, a worthy opponent. If you were to, to come on up to Winnipeg to, uh, throw, uh, some time in on the, the gaming system. Um, Oh, absolutely. So obviously like we we've talked about like the, the difference between, uh, training during the season compared to the off season. Um, will will lifting too much, too much weight cause someone to uh, to bulk up or build too much mass? Like I said earlier with that quote from Arnold. Yeah, that's that's such a big concern for a lot of people that aren't familiar with strength training. Um, you know, because it is popular for a lot of people to start lifting and they you know get bigger. But that's if the goal is to get bigger. There's, it's not actually that simple. If it were that simple, I, I actually wish it was. It would make my job a lot easier. Um, but it, it's not. Um, I always like to use the analogy about a dirt pile. A dirt pile, you can reshape it. You can move it around. However, it will not grow unless you put more dirt on it, right? So if we look at the muscles in this perspective, we need to be eating an excess amount of calories, proteins, and antioxidants and all these other things for our muscles to grow larger because our muscles are made of what we eat. Right. So if a person is maintaining a level balance within that and they're training hard, what they're really going to see in their fitness and their muscle strength is going to be more of a, a neuromuscular strength endeavor so mm-hmm. a lot Perhaps of people more when density. They first start training yeah so capillary density builds up mitochondrial density builds up and the fiber strength builds up and being the beings that we are we like to conserve energy as much as possible hands down that's why we like to sit around so much and in doing that our muscles if they don't get challenged on the regular, the nervous system will only activate them to let's call it a 60% capacity because they're like, Hey, we don't do anything that's hard. We don't need to work at, you know, 90%. And so it's kind of like a light dimmer switch in the sense of the more you train, the higher light dimmer goes up, goes up, goes up until it does reach a capacity, which is going to be about 90 to 92%. Um, 
I think everyone has probably heard about the mother's strength, you know, the cars on the baby and the mom picks the car up off the baby. Right. That is that extra six, 6%, let's call it six to 8% strength that people have. Our bodies don't like to go there, however, because in picking up that car, that mom is probably going to tear every tendon and ligament in her body. Okay. And so it's a, it's a safety measure that we only will build up to about 90%. So what a lot of people, when they first start training, they're going to get stronger. Absolutely. But they're not going to necessarily be building muscle for probably the first two to three months. Once you reach a capacity of that 90% within your nervous system and the neuromuscular relationship, the training, it's not a rep thing. It's not a set thing. You can do powerlifting and still not get bigger if you're doing it properly. So for motocross riders, that's something that's important, that, that weight ratio on the bike. We don't want to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger on the bike. That's no. going to be a loss of horsepower. So the strength thing within that is they're going to get – higher amounts of activity from the nervous system to those muscles to help them operate at a higher level, essentially. And yeah, you might put on a couple pounds of muscle, but in return, you're probably going to drop a couple pounds of unwanted weight at the same time. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of, it's more of a body recomp than anything else. Like recomposition of what makes the body what it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, matter, doesn't grow without excess amounts to it is essentially what it comes down to. Okay. Um, so, um, what is a, like, what do you, uh, suggest is a great way for people to start formulating, uh, fundamental good habits, uh, to maintain and, and start a good training routine? What are some like absolutely, uh, the must haves, the, the go-to's, to, uh, to starting something and actually sticking with something? Great question. Tracking. Hands down, nothing okay. can beat tracking. You know, so whether it's, you know, this is something I personally do with my athletes is I set them up with my app. I make sure that they have access to it at all times because there's the accountability is there. And the worst thing that can happen is walking into a gym and not knowing what the heck you're supposed to do, you know, and Fair enough. Yes, yeah, it's absolutely. Than not being at the gym at all. Just ad living a workout every time. All, right. Yeah. And so having a coach or doing your own research to set up some tracking of your data and journaling it is one of the best ways to keep yourself accountable. And, you know, the way that I personally program for people is by setting them up with their routine based around what they what they want slash what they need and getting them rolling to the point of which they're going into the gym they've already looked at the app earlier today they know exactly what's about to go down so they've been mentally prepared you know since they woke up for what's about to come because it's laid out for them it's very easy to go execute something when somebody else is telling you to do it. It's a lot harder to do it when you're telling yourself to do it. So that's that intrinsic motivation compared to extrinsic motivation 
when we have somebody else telling us to do something, we just tend to do a little bit better with it. Absolutely. I think that that uh, definitely speaks volumes in the last uh, uh, better part of 10 days here where uh, you've been, uh, I've been able to log into your app uh, every single morning. I wake up at the crack of, uh, it's not even dawn yet, uh, 5.30 in the morning here locally, still dark outside. I go out to my truck, I get into the, I drive to the gym, I open up the app, I know exactly what sort of uh, exercises I'm doing, how I'm warming up for those exercises. Uh, and then it literally, it's just uh, uh, inputting the, uh, the, the resistance that I used, uh, rep ranges that they happen to change, but I do try and uh, follow everything that uh, is, is laid out for me. And uh, yeah, it's no different than following a meal plan or something like that. It's all right there. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's a little bit of homework. You know, I do encourage people to kind of pay attention to what I'm having them do so that they pick up on certain trends and everything of why things are happening. Um, I really think that's also a great way to formulate a good habit is by understanding why you're doing something and rather than just doing it to do it. Um, at the end of the day, if somebody can walk away from working with me and even just know a little bit more about anatomy, physiology, you know, that makes me pretty happy. So your services are for hire. Like th this is something that if someone's listening, uh, they're, they're, they're tired of coming in second or third in, uh, in, in whatever class they happen to be riding, or maybe they've got a son or daughter who's thinking about getting more serious about their racing. Uh, you offer these services not only for, uh, for some top flight privateers, one day some top flight uh, uh, factory riders one day, but even for your average Joe, somebody like me, who's a washed up, uh, has been, but actually never was, uh, looking to, uh, to just, just enjoy the, the ride a little bit more by being a little bit more fit and a little bit more prepared for what the motocross track throws at me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'm very passionate about what I do and I'm very passionate about our sport of motocross. And, you know, I want to help as many people as I, as I can. And by having the app set up, for people, you know, you're two time zones ahead of me. We're not in the same area. We can't work together in person. I do prefer to work together in person if I can with someone, but the app really allows me to set up a program to allow people all over the place to have access to good training and um, well-formulated programs. That's awesome, dude. Like I, I, knowing that there's somebody uh, who like has done the homework for me. I love when someone else does my homework. Uh, but working together, uh, I can communicate with you as to uh, what exercises I like, which ones I don't like, which ones I'm familiar with, which I'm not familiar with, what's working for me, what I get a good connection with. Because I think that's one of the biggest things is some people just go through the motions of whatever the exercise is, uh, but they don't actually connect with the muscle to to uh to really get the most out of it we can communicate on that side and uh you've created something really really tailored for uh for what i needed to uh to be a little like i said enjoy the sport just that little bit bit more and i'm, I'm already enjoying it uh way too much as it is absolutely yeah i don't do cookie cutters these programs are highly personalized for the person um having to do with 
their training age. So how long they've been working out in a gym, catering to their biological age, gender, taking account of hormonal responses and their goals. You know, like I said, I mentioned, you know, making sure I'm tailoring things for people's wants, but also their needs. Cause at the end of the day, somebody needs to be happy with what they're doing in the gym but I'm going to sneak in those, those things that people need to get better. And I think you've even experienced it a little bit where I've kind of been holding you back a little um, more than what you're used to, but I promise you there's always a, always a reason for those things. You, you have promised that. And yes, I, uh, I look at some of the ref ranges sometimes and I'm like, bro, I can smash, I can smash all three of those sets out in one, one go. What are you trying to, what are you trying to, uh, due to me here, Evan, but there's a method to the madness, you have assured me. Um, torturing myself is uh, maybe a little bit of a thing of the past, but I could be stronger because of it. In the end, where, where do people get more information? How do they reach out to uh, to sort of start to work with you, start to learn from you? Uh, and if they've sort of, we've sort of sparked their interest here, and we're going to be doing more of these, um, where do they find out more information? And of course, where you're on all of the social media platforms, especially Instagram. How do people find you? Yeah, primarily on Instagram is a good way to reach me. Um, I'm at EN Lifestyle Performance. Um, I'm also got my webpage, which is enlifestyleperformance.com. Um, you can go on there and learn a little bit more about myself. I also um, put in journal entries so that I can write a little bit more about certain health specific things that I, I I'm passionate about that I think can help people, you know, like supplementation and things like that. Um, and yeah, it's a good way to get a hold of me. Anyone that's out there looking for a little bit extra, you know, always shoot me a message on either Instagram or on my website. And I'm very good about replying. You do get back to people really quickly, which is something that I really appreciate. Uh, I know you want to help out some people. I know you want to get people going faster on two wheels in the safest way possible. For those who are listening, I hope you reach out to Evan uh, Nyquist. Uh, so much, or is it Nyquist? Nystrom. Nystrom, my bad. Evan Nystrom. Ryan Nyquist. Well, you know, he was, he, uh, he was a, I had, a different Scandinavian, uh, a little, maybe, maybe a little bit more noteworthy than yourself to date, but that may yes, change. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I hope you guys uh, uh, go check out Evan Nystrom, find him on Instagram, connect with this guy. Super fast with getting back to people, and uh, and always very. Uh, a, you're, you you work with a, in, within a lot of integrity, and that's something that I, I really appreciate uh, about your business and about you. Evan, is that uh, you put your heart and soul into every single person that uh, you come in contact with. I don't think that can be said about uh, every trainer out there or every business person out there uh, for that matter. Uh, and for that reason, I think people should uh, to give you the benefit of the doubt uh, and give you a shot. Absolutely. I appreciate you saying that, Brad. Awesome, man. I hope that people go check you out. Uh, this has been awesome for me. Awesome to chat with you. And we're going to do this again in one month's time, uh, where we dive into some different, uh, questions. And if anybody has a question for Evan, please contact me 
through Instagram, Brad Gebhardt 88 or Big MX Radio. Send me a direct message. Say, hey, I got a question for Ev. I, I got this issue. I need to get this thing ironed out. Send it straight to me and we'll connect you guys and uh, it'll, it'll be awesome. We'll get all that stuff ironed out and we'll be tackling more of that next time we have Evan on the show. Awesome, Evan. This has been an awesome uh, interview. I really, I really enjoyed spending time with you today. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.